Wow! <laughs> Come on, guys, let's give God a shout of praise! Jesus! Yes! God, you're good. Hallelujah. How many of you are excited to be in the house of God tonight? Yeah, come on, give them a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Woo. Wow, you guys are awesome. <laughs> wow, it's fantastic to be at church tonight. And uh, I've got a great message. I'm going to preach to you out of a scripture tonight that has inspired me and challenged me. And uh, I hope tonight that you'll come away with something, something really good that you can use. Someone say amen. All right, how many of you love a good action movie? Yeah, yeah. A, good, a good action movie, not like not Die Hard, okay? Not, not something wet and weak, okay? Not Die Hard, something like Born Ultimatum, yeah, yeah, something like uh, Gladiator, yeah, something like Braveheart, yeah, a great action drama. We, hey, 300. Oh yeah, 300. <laughs> okay, I mean, the qualities of a good action drama, you've got a tough guy, okay? You've got a tough guy with a good heart. You know, a tough guy with, you know, there's something good inside. And all the way through, you're on the edge of your seat thinking, is he going to die? Is he going to make it? Is he, what's, what's going to happen? Adrenaline, prison break, yeah? All right, yeah? <laughs> Overcomes Incredible odds, everything's stacked against them, and they win. And the bad guys get dealt to. I love it when the bad guys get dealt to. How many of you like the bad guys getting dealt to? All right, I like that. Okay, tonight I'm going to preach to you out of a passage in the Bible that has got all those elements. The incredible thing is, is that this is about a real person. It's not fantasy. It is a real man. All right, turn in your Bible too. 2 Samuel chapter 23, uh, chapter 23 and verse 20. 2 Samuel 23 and verse 20. I'm going to introduce you to a guy called Benayah. So you can say Benayah. Okay, Tell, that's it. Tell the person next to you, Benayah. All right, now Benayah was one of David's key men, one of David's Prince is one of David's warriors. And this guy, he was a pretty incredible dude. Okay, and in verse 20, I'm going to actually read out of the NIV because it actually reads a little bit smoother here. It says, Beniah the son of Jehoiada was a valiant fighter from Kabziel who performed great exploits. He struck down two of Moab's best men. And another translation it says, struck down two lion-like warriors. Yeah? He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. It reads further, he goes down and he struck a huge Egyptian. Although the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, Benaiah went against him with a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Such were the exploits of Benaiah, son of Jehoiada. He, was, he too was as famous as the three mighty men. This guy was a pretty incredible man. He was, he was amazing. It says that he was a valiant man. What does it mean, a valiant warrior? It means a, a person of strength, a person of ability, 
A person of substance. How many of you would like to be known as a man or woman of substance? Oh yeah, absolutely. We want to be known as that. Now, you can read through a passage like this, and most of us read the Bible, well, many of us read the Bible at night when we're, 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 we're just busy propping our eyelids up, and, and it's like blah, 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 okay? And you miss the grunt of it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Are you? Okay, come on, let's get real. All right. <laughs> so we don't want to, tonight we don't want to miss the impact of this, because you know, I picture this in my mind. I picture Beniah as he's on his way home. I want you to, to think about this if this was you or, or someone you know. Beniah is on his way home from work. It's been a hard day at the office. He's trudging his way through the scrub on his way to his home. There's snow on the ground and his feet are cold. He's tired. But he's thinking of home. Well, yeah, home. He's thinking of home. The fire's going. The house is warm. And it's Super 14 nights. Oh, yeah. Okay, and the Crusaders are going to beat the daylights out of some Australian team. Yeah. It's going to be good. And I do believe, I do believe Mrs. Benaiah has put a roast lamb on for dinner. It's got to be good, eh? Take, take a sniff. Can you smell it? Oh, yeah, it's good. All right, you can smell it. So there he is out in, the, out in the bush in the scrub on his way home. And something, something, not that he can see or hear, but something he senses. Maybe it's a bird that flies out of the bush behind him. Maybe it's just that his hairs on the back of his head are standing on end. But he senses something. And in a moment, he spins around with his spear at the ready. In the attack position, and in the gathering darkness, he looks into the yellow eyes of the king of beasts. Looking into the eyes of a lion. And the lion is looking at dinner. Yeah? That's it. So let me, let me just... Pause the DVD, okay, just before all the action starts. Because there's something that I need to tell you about lions. There's, there's some things I need to tell you about lions. Firstly and most importantly, lions kill people. Yeah, they do. I know that this could be a surprise to some of you, but they do. They kill people. Yeah. In, uh, in Kenya... The South Africans and, and uh, Zimbabweans will know this story well, but in, in Savo in Kenya, they were building a railway through, through the southern part of Kenya. And over a period of nine months, two lions killed and ate 28 railway workers. How many of you would have your job, a hand up for that job, eh? Nah, don't think so. In the middle of the night... These lions pushed their way through thorn fences and dragged these men out of their tents. And I'll let you fill in the rest of the details. Now you can fill that in yourself. So the first thing you need to know about lions is that they kill people. The second thing you need to know about lions is 
They kill people. Do you get it? Just joking. Second thing you need to know about lions is that they're big. Actually, a male lion can weigh 250 kilograms. 250 kilograms. Now that's a lot of beast. And some of you will say, but, but what about the females? What if, it's, what if it's a mama lion? Well, the mama lion, she'll be about 180 kilograms, and she'll have twice the attitude. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. So take your pick. You can have Papa Lion at 250 kilograms, or you can have Mama Lion at 180 kilograms and twice the attitude. Either which way, it's not looking good. Yeah? Now the third thing, there's another thing. One more thing you need to know about lions. One more thing you need to know about lions is that they run fast, really fast. A lion can run at speeds of nearly 60 kilometers an hour, 60 kilometers an hour. And let me tell you, that's twice as fast as me running to get a piece of Sue Jackson's lemon meringue pie. <laughs> and I can run fast to do that. It's twice the speed of pastors Dave and Steve running to get the mince pies at morning tea. And that's fast. <laughs> so that you can see that things are looking bad. Things are looking one-sided here. A man-eating beast at least twice the weight and speed of our friend Ben. And with conditions, cold, snow on the ground, Slippery, it's not looking good. So here we go, back to the action. You ready? Push play. Right, Ben's looking at the lion, and the lion's looking at dinner. But the lion has mistaken his prey because Ben is no ordinary man. In an instant, the hunter becomes the hunted. As Ben turns, drops his spear down, and starts running at that lion. The lion doesn't know what to do. Quick as, he's saying, I'm out of here. Turns on tail. He's rattled. And in his, in his charge to get away, the lion slips into a pit. Freeze action again. There's something else I forgot to tell you about lions and cats in general. The lion's in a pit. Now, I don't know if you know anything about cats, but I grew up with... with, uh, with <laughs> with pet cats <laughs> in our house. And I know that cats do not like tight spaces. Kids, if you have never tried this, if you have never tried putting your pet cat in the school bag and doing up the top, trust me, don't do it. I still may have the scars on my arm to show you. Cats do not like tight spaces. Ben could have walked away right then. He could have walked away. He didn't have a high-powered rifle. Finishing off this job required close combat, hand to paw. Not looking good. You see, he could leave it, go away and leave it for someone else. Maybe someone else can deal with this fella. 
Maybe it'll go away. But not Ben. He's down there after it. And Ben finishes the job. He kills that lion in the pit on a snowy day. And if you're looking for a title for this message, you could call it In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. Yeah. See, the lion meets its end there never to steal another sheep, never to take another human life. Now, outside of a zoo, you and I are not likely to run into a lion in the normal course of our lives. Unless, of course, you go on the mission trip to Uganda with Andy and Pastor Lynn. In which case, you may well do. Any takers here? I think they're looking for people. Here we go. Here's a, here's a taker. All right. Now, although we're not likely to run into a lion in the normal course of our day, we will have some lion-sized challenges that come our way. We will have some lion-sized problems, some trials that we will have to deal with in the course of our life. Some of you will be dealing with those things already. But this I can guarantee, if you're not dealing with one right now, this I can guarantee you will be at some point, and you want to be prepared. So for our purposes tonight, think of a lion as a challenge that you face. A lion is something that threatens and intimidates you, that potentially may rob you of your life. It may be a relational challenge or problem. It may be a financial problem or challenge. It may be physically in your body, a health issue. It might be in your school or your family or your work. But if you don't deal with it, it will consume you. If you don't deal with it, it will rob your life. And I can guarantee that you will deal with one sooner or later. Now, there's only two options when you face a lion. You either kill it or it kills you. So how many of you would like the spiritual boldness of Benaiah? Yeah? Well, come on. How many of you would like that? Have that sort of boldness? How many of you want to be a lion killer? Yeah, go on. Tell the person next to you, I'm going to be a lion killer. <laughs> Beautiful. Now, there's four lessons Four lessons that I want you to take away tonight on dealing with lions in your life. Four lessons that we can take away from Benaiah's encounter with the lion. And remember, it's not a case of if. It's a case of when. It will happen. There will be a time for you. The first lesson we can take straight from the man's name, Benaiah. Benaiah means Built up by God, or God has built up. Here it is. If you want to be a lion killer, your life must be built by God. Beniah, built by God. Let me ask you tonight, who or what has built your life? Who or what has built your life? Have circumstances built your life? 
Is your life dominated by what has or what hasn't happened to you? Is your life dominated by the past? You see, experiences can shape our lives. That's good. But they are never to dominate our lives or to de determine the end point of our lives. Here there's many people with many different experiences. Some of them good, some of them tragic and bad. But let me tell you, whatever your circumstances, whatever your past exists of, it does not determine your future. How many of you love Joyce Meyer? Yeah, you see her. I love Joyce Meyer. She's awesome. But if you listen to her testimony, she came from a background of horrific abuse, uh, of uh, abuse and tragedy that most of us wouldn't even, uh, even want to think about. But that does not determine who she is now. She now is one of the best teaching ministries on the face of the earth. Across nation after nation, her teaching ministry is all over the place on TV because she killed a lion. Her past did not determine her future. And neither does your past need to determine your future. That's if your life is built by God. Maybe people have built your life. The expectations of others. What they've said. Maybe you've got friends that are shaping your life in an unhelpful way. Maybe you've built your own life. You're one of those self-motivated, uh, self self-led, uh, uh, self independent types. Maybe that's you. But the only life that can face the challenge of a lion is the life that is built by God. How does God build, build a life? How does God build up a life? The first thing you've got to know about that is that no one will build on land that they don't own. Pastor Dave's building a house right now, or houses right now. Dave, would you build on that land if you didn't have title? No way. See, only a crazy man or a squatter would build on land that he doesn't own. And God's not going to build on land that he doesn't own either. So you've got to determine who owns your life. Does God own your life? And if he doesn't own your life, don't leave here tonight without settling it. Maybe you come to church and, and, you, and you do the Christian thing, but still your life is led and owned and managed by yourself. Tonight, don't leave here without settling that. Make sure that you settle it, that God owns your life, that your life is wholly surrendered to Jesus Christ. No one else, nothing else. Jesus owns you because God will only build on the land and the life that he owns. Surrender your life tonight to Jesus Christ. How else does God build on a life? He connects us with a body of people. That's the church. If you look in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16, it says, From whom the whole body joint and knit together, by which every joint supplies, according to the effect of working, by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the building of itself 
in love. How does God build our lives? He builds it in connection with others. He builds it in relationship to the church. So let me ask you tonight, how good is your connection to the church of God? How good is your connection to others? How good are your relationships with leaders? How good are relationships with people who belong to the fellowship of Jesus Christ? See, how well are you connected? Is your connection healthy? Or are you dislocated because of offense and attitude? See, tonight is a great night to sort that out in your own mind. Sort it out and say, tonight, I'm connecting properly. I'm not going to use any more excuses to keep people out. I'm connecting properly. Tell a person next to you, I'm going to have a life that is built by God. I'm going to have a life that's built by God. Okay, the second thing you need to know about how to kill lions is you need to stop thinking of yourself as an ordinary person. Stop thinking of yourself as an ordinary person. Because Benaiah's life was built by God, he was not an ordinary person. Let me tell you, ordinary people become tasty snacks for lions. Yeah, they do. They become lunch for the big pussycat. Ordinary men do not know how to kill lions, let alone chase them down into a pit on a snowy day and kill them. Ordinary people don't do that. And Benaiah was not an ordinary man. And let me tell you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if your life is built by God, you are no ordinary person. You are not an ordinary person, so you stop seeing yourself as an ordinary person. You see, Scripture tells us that the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Creation eagerly waits for it. Who are the sons of God? There's probably one sitting alongside you in the pew. And if they're not, maybe they better get saved tonight. We're the sons and daughters of the living God. You are no ordinary person if your life belongs to Jesus Christ. You know, I have this thing where one, I have a, a number of things that, that really irk me. One of them is, is that when people come into my office and they knock on the door to walk in, they say, it's just me. Maybe you make excuses for yourself. Maybe you make excuses and when you say, it's just me, stop doing it. Because if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are no longer an ordinary person. You're a son of God, a daughter of God, a daughter of the King of Kings, a, a son of the King of Kings. You're no ordinary person. Don't see yourself any longer as a, as a youth, just a youth, just a teenager, just a mother, just a worker or a business person. You see, if your life belongs to Jesus Christ, there is something supernatural on the inside of you. Romans 8.11 says, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the spirit of God dwells in you. There is something supernatural about your nature. You are not an ordinary person. Now you can live an ordinary life. 
You can live short of the destiny and the calling of God on your life. But that isn't your purpose. That's not what God has created you to be. You see, the scripture tells us that the people of God are called to be kings and priests on the earth. Called to rule and to reign. So maybe you carry some funny thoughts about who you really are. But think about it. There's something special about you. See, the Spirit of God lives in you. God calls you a king and a priest. He destines you to rule in life. He calls you an overcomer. He calls you the head and not the tail. There's something special about you. You're not an ordinary person. Tell the person next to you, I'm not an ordinary person. Tell the person on the other side, there's something special about me. There's something special about me. Now, some of you cringe when you say that there's something special about me. Well, that's a key indication that you need to start getting God's perspective on your life. Start thinking of yourself as who God sees you if you want to be a lion killer. Ordinary people don't kill lions. Man and woman of God kill lions. The third thing I want you to know from the life of Benaniah, Benaniah is that if you want to kill lions, you need to follow a lion killer. You need to follow a lion killer. Benaiah followed David, and we know that David was a lion killer. When David faced Goliath, and Saul said, no, no, you're, you're just a kid, you can't do it. David's response was, when I looked after my father's sheep, when a lion or bear came out and took a lamb out of my flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by the beard and struck it and killed it. See, if you want to be a lion killer, you need to follow a lion killer. You need to have your life connected with someone who's walking in that dimension, walking in that capacity to kill lions already. Because this is a principle of life. Who you hang out with is who you become like. Who you become like. And if you hang out with winners, you will become a winner yourself. If you hang out with great people, the chances are that you will become a great person yourself. If you hang out with losers, don't be surprised if you also become a loser. Don't be surprised if you come out like them. Choose your friends wisely. Now, you don't need to be rude or, or to exclude people or anything like that. But there's some people that you might be best not to spend a whole lot of time around. Because they will drain you of the life that you have in God. There's some people that you want to stay away from. But even more importantly, there's people that you need to connect with. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7, it says, Remember those who rule over you or lead. Okay, remember those who lead, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow. Imitate their faith. 
considering the outcome of their conduct. People, I make no secret of the fact that I follow Pastor Mike. I follow Christ, but I also have connected my life to a man who has overcome lions. I make no secret of it and no apology for it. I'm proud of it. Because I know that there's a dimension on his life that if I remain connected to, that will come upon me. I want that. And if you want to be a lion killer, you connect yourself with men and women of God who are also killing lions. That's an important principle of life. Follow the faith of your leaders. Now, if you're not in a small group or haven't done the equipping track, we put you there for a reason. There's lion killers there. No, that doesn't mean that their lives are perfect. That doesn't mean that if you put their lives under a microphone, a microscope, that you couldn't find fault. I'm sure you could. But there's a principle. They've killed lions. They've killed lions. And if you want to be a lion killer, you'd be wise to get connected in the right way to them. Amen? Tell the person next to you, you need to be following a lion killer. <laughs> See, Kiwis have this independent streak. We hate that sort of thing, don't we? We don't like hearing that. We say, oh, what makes them anything special? What makes them anything big? How come that's such a big shot? If you've got that attitude, be prepared to be eaten by the pussycat. Okay? Get over yourself. Yeah? And follow the lion killer. Yeah. Okay, the fourth thing, fourth and final lesson we need to take away from the life of Benaiah. And that's, if you want to kill lions, you need to stay awake and alert. Sounds simple, eh? Lions ambush their prey. They sneak up from undercover and it's all over for the person who's asleep or in a daydream. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, you'll see it on the screen here in a minute. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Be sober. Don't be drunk, okay? That's real, that's real easy. Okay, don't be drunk, not drunk, but also more than that, it means calm and collected, self-controlled, with your head together. If you're one of these people who at the slightest provocation flies off, you need to rein that in, okay? You need to ask God to bring that into order, or you become dinner for the pussycat, okay? Vigilant. It means awake, watchful, alert, and alive. Why? Because we have an adversary. And notice that the Apostle Paul says, because your adversary. It's not Pastor Steve, Pastor Doug's, or, or Pastor Mike's. It's not the pastor's adversary. They've got their adversaries, but it's yours. People, this is personal. You have your personal lines that you will need to deal with. 
It's personal. And they're out to get you. We have a personal adversary, an enemy who seeks our harm. And not that we're to be devil-focused, because we're not. We're alert. We've got our heads together. We're focused. We know what we're about. We know what our purpose on the earth is. And it's more than to survive the day and pay the next set of bills. We have a purpose on this earth, and that's to rule and to reign as God determined for us. This is your opportunity, and you need to keep awake and alert. And we don't need to be worried. And some people trip up and, and say, well, they start finding devils under rocks and things and under their beds. Don't get like that. We don't need to be scared because the Spirit of God within us is greater than the Spirit that is in this world. Someone say amen. 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 But we do need to stay awake. Now we can look back on Benaiah's life and we can admire his heroic acts from this side, from the side of victory. But don't forget that each one of these things, the lion, the warriors of Moab, the, the Egyptian, they faced him with a single purpose to snuff out his life, to kill him, to destroy him. And we can look at our lives and say, oh, I wish I was like that, and oh, there's so many problems. But each problem, if you change how you look at it, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for growth. It's an opportunity for promotion. If you've still got your, your thumb in, your, in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 23, Looking at the very end of verse 23, it says this, And David put him in charge of his bodyguard. Can I have the musicians, please? David put him in charge of his bodyguard. Each one of these challenges, the lion in the pit on the snowy day, faced Benaiah with the attitude that it was going to kill him. Benaiah went after it. He went after the warriors of Moab. He went after the Egyptian. How many lion killers do we have in this place tonight? Well, yeah. See, if you want to be a lion killer, you need to position yourself so that your life is built by God. You need to stop seeing yourself. Stop seeing yourself as an ordinary person. You need to find a lion killer to follow. And you need to stay awake. Keep your head in the game. Don't give up. Don't clock out. Tonight there's people here that are facing lions. And if you're not, you soon will be. Are you prepared to face that lion? The first one, you position yourself. Does God own you? Because God will only build on the life that he owns. Does Jesus Christ own your life? Is your life given to Jesus Christ? Are you a believer? Are you a follower of Jesus? Tonight, if you want to give your heart and your life to Jesus, don't leave here. Don't leave here. 
without making that commitment that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Is there anyone here that would like to make that commitment tonight? I want you to lift up your hand. Don't leave here without making that commitment. Anyone here? Anyone here who wants to make that commitment tonight? Maybe if you're shy, you can come up and see one of us later. But don't leave here tonight without making that commitment. Maybe you've carried stinky ideas about yourself. Tonight, I want you to bring them to the altar and say, God, I'm going to stop seeing myself as an ordinary person. Maybe you've had bad attitudes towards leaders. You're just not that well connected. Tonight, say, I'm going to sort that out. And maybe you've gone into snooze. Your head's not in it. Tonight, to say, God, I'm waking up. Tonight, let's stand up and worship God. And if you know that you've got business, that you need to deal with God, I want you to come. Come to the front and worship and lay it down before God. Let's worship God. Let's worship God tonight with faith in our heart and a determination that I'm going to face my lions and I'm going to kill them in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Come and worship God tonight, people.